Good to see you today. I'm going to start somewhere I don't normally start, but if you have a smartphone, if you get it out, we've been encouraging everybody to check in when you get here, if you're on Facebook. If you're not on Facebook, just get your phone out and look at some photos, all right? Just get a <laughs> But if you're on Facebook, if you come up to your opening page, it says, what's on your mind? You click that, go down here to check in, and it should give you some options and check in. Now, again, I don't know anything about technology, but I've been told it helps if we check in to kind of get things promoted out there so you guys can have a part of outreach by just checking in every week, all right? If you're watching by way of stream, you cannot check in. <laughs> but anyway, you can hit the share button and just share the video. We're glad that you're here, and, uh, and we're going to actually finish the book of Hebrews, all right? Someone has described eternity as me getting through a preaching series, all right? But we are, we are going to get through the book of Hebrews today, all right? Anything that, that's left over, we'll cover on Wednesday night. So one of the questions of the book of Hebrews, is Jesus enough? And really, when life gets tough, and when we're surrounded by all kinds of problems... Is Jesus really enough to get us through? And I think the writer of Hebrews says, yes. I mean, no matter how difficult life is, and as he's writing to these uh, Jewish believers, I think they were living in some very difficult times. I mean, to be a Christian meant persecution, meant many times a loss of job, maybe imprisonment. It would have been so easy to go back to Judaism, which was accepted by the Roman government, but to be a Christian was going to cost him something. But the writer of Hebrews is saying it's enough. And we live in a time today that being a Christian is not in the majority. And I think the book of Hebrews is so relevant for the day that we live here in America, that we need to be true. The verse that we've kind of been springboarding off of from the writer's own words, he calls Hebrews, I believe, a word of encouragement. He says here in chapter 13, verse 22, I call on you, brothers and sisters, listen patiently to this message of exhortation and encouragement, for I have written to you briefly. So he describes it as a brief letter but it's meant to encourage. We all need encouragement. So again, they were facing some difficult times, and the writers encouraged them, don't go back, burn those bridges behind you, and to go forward. And I believe God would encourage us all, no matter how difficult life is, to always go forward, keep our eyes on Jesus, put our faith in God, and no matter what life brings, we can survive. Jesus really is enough. One of the things I've really got out of the book of Hebrews this time through is this idea of a shadow. In Hebrews 10.1, the writer says the law is merely a shadow of the substance to come, but Christ is the substance. Paul says in Colossians 2 that all the feasts, all the Sabbaths of the old law were merely a shadow, but the substance is Christ. And so again, is it good to study the Old Testament? Absolutely, because the Old Testament is a shadow of the substance of Christ. So everything you study in the Old Testament, 100% of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms always, 100% of the time, will point you to Jesus. So it's good to study the Old Testament, but the writer says that once the substance has come, why would you go back to a covenant that only... 
talked about the substance, but you have Christ. And so he's encouraging them to understand who they are in Christ and the new covenant. So in the Bible, there's only two covenants. There's the old covenant or the first covenant, or there's the new covenant or the last covenant. There's not going to be a third covenant because Christ in his death took care of the sin problem once and for all. So again, just kind of summarizing, all the, the law, the prophets were part of the shadow, but Christ is the substance. And so to summarize again, under the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, man was always at a distance from God. God was uh, kind of kept a distance there because of sin. It wasn't that God didn't want to be close to man, but God could not be close because of the sin problem. So there was always a separation. Access to God was denied under the old covenant. Even though they sacrificed thousands and thousands of sacrifices, which was necessary, but all of those animal sacrifices could never take care of the sin problem. But Jesus, under the new covenant, under that one sacrifice, forever took care of the sin problem. So under the new covenant, Jesus bore our sins in his body on that tree. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus in that one sacrifice took care of the sin problem forever. He doesn't have to come back and die a second time because his one death forever has taken care of the sin problem. And what could not happen under the old covenant, man was denied access to God. Under the new covenant, because Jesus took care of the sin problem, we have 24-hour accessibility to God. So when he died, the veil in the temple was torn, and now we can go to God 24-7 because the sin problem has been taken care of. Can I tell you, we are so blessed. We are so blessed. I mean, in the old covenant, they could only dream about coming into the presence of God, but the animal sacrifices could never take care of sin. But under the new covenant, that one sacrifice forever has changed our accessibility to God. We're able to go into God's presence 24-7 because of that death. And today we're going to celebrate communion and celebrate that incredible death. In Hebrews 13, by the time we get to the uh, end of chapter uh, of Hebrews, he begins to talk about some practical ways that the Christian life should affect us. And so in Hebrews 13, as I said last week, I kind of see Hebrews 13 as a cross-eyed discus thrower. He knows his time is short, and there's a lot of things he wants to say, and so he just throws out all these random thoughts. How many of you have ever heard a pastor chase a lot of rabbits? And that, that's Hebrews 13. So he knows he's running out of time. He has a lot of things he wants to say. And like a cross-eyed discus thrower, he just starts throwing out these random thoughts about how knowing Jesus affects our daily life. And so he talks about things like brotherly love, generosity, conduct, marriage, instructions, contentment, things that we need to remember. And so in chapter 13, again, some practical advice of how we live out the Christian life. It's one thing to know that Christ is superior. It's one thing to mentally know that he is superior to the old covenant, but how does that affect our daily life? 
Well, that's chapter 13. Again, a lot of practical advice of how we live out the Christian life. I love this little story. I gave it last week. I'll give it one more time in Hebrews 13. The teacher that was telling her Sunday school class how important it was to invite Jesus into their heart. The little boy asked, well, how tall is Jesus? How much does he weigh? And he says to the teacher, if I invite Jesus into my heart, part of him's going to stick out. And I just want to tell you, you need to remember that. I want, to just, I want to go on record as saying it's impossible to invite Jesus into our life and not have part of him stick out. So chapter 13 of Hebrews is how Jesus should stick out of our life every single day. It's one thing to know God. It's one thing to have a, a knowledge of the superiority of Christ. But how does that affect our everyday life? That's chapter 13. Jesus should be sticking out of your life every day. Otherwise, maybe you've never been truly saved. So last week we looked at the first part of this. First of all, Jesus should stick out of our life and our love for the, uh, the brothers and sisters. If you don't love the family of God, you probably don't love God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, I love how John says in 1 John, a person says they love God but hate his children is a liar. Now, I wouldn't be that harsh. But John says, if you say you love God, but you can't stand his children, you're lying. A matter of fact, if you truly love God, one of the ways you can measure your love for God is how much you love his children. Because we're not always lovable. I know that's a shock. How many of you have a hard time believing people don't like you? I mean, it comes as a shock. We're not always likable, but the thing is, if you have Christ in your heart, you're going to find yourself loving some unlovable people. That's God. That's how God treats us. So one of the ways you know that Jesus is sticking out of your life is when you begin to love the body of Christ. That's one of the things that should happen. Let brotherly love continue. Number two, we talked about last week, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing, some have unknowingly entertained angels. So part of Jesus sticking out of our life is as we're going through our life and we find somebody down and out, we have the heart to stop and to do something and to give something out along the journey. The Christian life is not just a life of receiving, but it's throwing something back. So as we're going through our daily life, we need to give something back. How many of you noticed the uh, Rams jersey up here on the stage? How many had a hard time worshiping God with this up here? All right. <laughs> Now, people say, why, why the Rams jersey? All right, good question, good question. And so Brenda took me to the dollar store this week, and she said I could buy anything I want. All right, dollar store. And so I went to, it's a used clothes. And so anyway, I went to the dollar store, and I saw this hanging up. And it has, it has a sticker. It's brand new. It is a leather Rams coat. I mean, brand spanking new. This was probably a $200 coat, and it was in the dollar store. I know why it was in the dollar store. I know why it was still hanging in the dollar store. They said, why would you buy this? Because I, I don't care for the Rams anymore. I love the, I love the players. I just don't, I don't, anyway, why would you buy it? I, didn't, I almost was embarrassed taking it to pay for it. I almost just wanted to walk up and say, hey, I took one item, here's a dollar. All right, here's a dollar tip. But anyway, I bought it. You say, why would I buy it? Well, I was kind of inspired by Charlene Eastman there. She does a ministry to the homeless in St. Louis. And she talks about how they desperately would give anything for a coat. 
And when I saw this brand new coat, this leather coat, man, probably a $200 coat for a dollar. I would have never bought this coat if it wasn't for Charlene Eastman. Now you may say, well, that's not much of a gesture. It's not, it's a dollar. But the reason I bought it was because of her. Charlene, come up here. I want to get rid, I've been wanting to get rid of this all morning. <laughs> and it's stuck on here. It is actually stuck on there. I've got to get it off of here. I just want to tell you, I love you and I appreciate you. I got another box of clothes to get to in my office. All right, so I appreciate her. You know, I'm convinced, really, the Christian life is not running over here to do a Bible study, then running over here to do a Somewhere we got to slow down, and when we see a need, we need to stop and, and reach out in Jesus' name. You know, as I study the life of Jesus, I just, I'm, if I'm just being honest with you, one of the things that really bothers me about the life of Jesus, he was never rushing to get anywhere. I wish one time he was late somewhere. I would feel better. He, he was never in a hurry. He was never running. And he always had time for people that stopped. Have you ever noticed that? Even when he was going to somebody's house who was de desperately in need and someone would come up, he always had time to stop and to meet a need. Can I tell you one of my, one of my problems? I get so busy. I know what I got to get done today. And I'm so busy running here to run there, to run over here, to run here. Sometimes I miss an opportunity that comes my way. Part of Jesus sticking out of our life is A, loving the brother. But part of Jesus sticking out of our life is when we come across a need that maybe nobody would notice and nobody would know about. It's giving unto the least of these. You know, isn't it kind of crazy that in the end, Matthew 25, in the end, Jesus never says to the sheep, man, you were unbelievable. You just, you were in a mega church. You had led so many people to the Lord. Man, you had done all the, all he says is, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me a cup of water. I was sick and in prison, you came to see me. Can I tell you the things that God remembers are the simple things of everyday life. We get so busy trying to, build an empire and trying to impress everybody that sometimes we miss the obvious. And so I just want to encourage you, I'm the world's worst at getting so much on my schedule, I don't slow down. But slow down, I might see you in the dollar store this week. But slow down and may God use us, may Jesus stick out of our life to give to someone who could never give back to us. Number three, he says, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body. Some Christians were thrown in jail because of their faith. Now, it kind of presented a dilemma because if they identified with the prisoners, they themselves might go to prison. So there was kind of a dilemma there, but the writer says, hey, don't write them off. Remember them, they're part of the body. And so again, I think taking time to reach out to someone who is in jail or in prison, I think means something to God. Remember in Matthew 25, Jesus said, I was sick and in prison and you came to see me. I love Ron Spurgeon here. He has a, a jail ministry and he reaches out to people who've come out of prison. And I just appreciate it. And that would not be many of our cups of tea. But I'm so glad that he reaches out to people that nobody else wants to reach out to. 
The coffee shop down in Leslie will never, ever be recognized by our state as the fastest growing church in the state, ever. But can I tell you where I think God looks down? One of the things on his heart is to reach out to the least of these. And I think that's very pleasing to God. Number four, we talked last week about marriage is honorable among all. I believe if Jesus should stick out of anywhere, it should be in our marriage. I'm just telling you, we're up against all kinds of pressure. If a marriage makes it, I mean, it is work. It is work to, for a marriage to make because everything's going against us. And I appreciate, I said last week, I wouldn't be here without my wife. And my, the, I appreciate her support, her encouragement. I literally would not have made it in ministry without her. And so I appreciate. And I tell you, we need each other in marriage. We truly need each other. And God put us together, not because we always think alike, not because we always see eye to eye, but sometimes we rub each other the wrong way to bring out attitudes. Now, I know that's not true of you guys, because you're all just 100% Jesus. But in our house, I have some rough edges. So keep praying for Brenda, all right? But he goes on to say here that any kind of sexual relationship outside of marriage is sin. And I'm just telling you, there's a lot of garbage in our country. Almost anything goes today, but the Bible says any kind of sexual relationship outside of marriage is wrong. And I'm beginning to stand on it. If Jesus is going to stick out of our life, it's a good thing if it starts at home, right? That's where it needs to start the most, okay? So we covered that last week. So today... We're going to move forward. That was all introduction, all right? That was all introduction. Number five, let your conduct be without greediness. Be content with the things that you have. Part of Jesus sticking out of our life is a spirit of contentment. And I just want to, I'm just trying to be transparent. I struggle with this. I mean, I find myself grumbling and complaining. You know, when the price of gas goes up, I find myself kind of complaining have you ever noticed it goes up in leaps and it comes down like a BB in oil? <laughs> I had somebody say to me, man, the gas went down two cents, man, praise God. It just went up a quarter yesterday. <laughs> but I find myself kind of grumbling, going to this grocery store, every, the prices are either up or the quantity is down, or both. I've heard people say to the cashier, I, I, I can't believe it's that much. And all the cashier's doing is ringing what you put on the counter. It's not her fault. I find myself, my tendency is, is to grumble just a little bit in Jesus' name, of course. <laughs> but you know, I think about the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. The Bible says they were grumbling in their tents. And if I'm being transparent, if anybody had a right to grumble, it was the children of Israel. I mean, they came out of Egypt. There was no water. There was no food. There wasn't even a Walmart. I mean, how did they make it through the wilderness without Walmart? But they were grumbling and complaining inside of their own tent. And the Bible says God heard them. And God was greatly displeased. And God was sorry that he brought them out. And God said to Moses, stand back. I'm going to wipe out the whole mess of them, and I'll start over with you. Some pastors would say, that's, that's a good idea, God. I'm a great place to start. 
But Moses stood in the gap and said, God, if you wipe out the people, the world will say you weren't big enough to get them in. If God was upset at the children of Israel that grumbled inside of their own tents, I just want to tell you, we need to learn to be content. We need to learn that Jesus really is enough. And no matter how crazy the world gets, if you have Christ, you can have contentment. Because contentment really isn't about how much stuff you have. You know, Solomon taught us that in the book of Ecclesiastes. Life isn't measured by how much stuff we have. And it's okay to have stuff, by the way. I tell people I would rather be rich and humble as poor and humble, wouldn't you? Nothing wrong with stuff, as long as the stuff doesn't have your heart. But learning contentment is such a great gift. He goes on to say here in verses 5 and 6, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. So learning to be content is one of the ways that Jesus sticks out of our life. And in case you're not sure whether or not you're a grumbler or a complainer, ask your kids, all right? Because you can fake it at church. How many of you know you can fake it at church? Praise God, man. All things are going. But talk to your kids, and they can tell you if you grumble and complain. Paul says in Timothy, now godliness with contentment is great gain. If we can get anything out of the book of Hebrews, to know that Jesus is superior to the old covenant is one thing. But to experience that he is all you need to be content, that's a practical application in life. I love how Philippians 4, a very familiar passage, as Paul's writing to the church at Philippi, he says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Can I tell you, contentment doesn't just happen. It's something we have to learn. We have to learn to trust God and to know that God is enough. And so if we can learn to let Jesus stick out of our life and to be content with where we are in life, it really is a great gift. Paul went on to say here in Philippians, I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He says, man, I've been to the mountain, I've been down in the valley, I've had plenty, I've had nothing. But he said, I've learned in everything to be content. That really is a great gift. And then the verse we love to quote so often right after this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, when you find out that Christ is all you have, you will discover that he's all you need. And if we can get to that place that Christ is enough, it really is a great gift. Because no matter what life brings your way, you're content. Because your contentment doesn't come out here, but it comes in your relationship with God. Well, the writer gives some concluding spiritual directions. He's running out of time, so he starts throwing out these random thoughts. He says, first of all, remember those who lead you spiritually. And I want to say you guys are amazing at sending texts, emails, calls, snail mail, encouraging me. And somebody has said to me one time, I, I don't care for our pastor. How can I pray for my pastor? I don't even like him. I said, well, if you pray for him, he'll get better and another church will come and take him away. <laughs> so whether you like him or don't like him, pray for him. But I just want to tell you, life is crazy. 
Our first responders, I know we have some police here and people connected with first responders, our, our health care work. Can I tell you, the last two years have been very stressful in our world. But I thank God that God is faithful. I thank God that we pray for each other, that we lift each other up because life is very, very stressful. All right, number two, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Boy, as we've talked about in Hebrews, that he is superior. He's the supremacy. He is everything that God has ever wanted to give us. The writer says, by the way, he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not that he's just supreme today. He's always been supreme. He always will be supreme. In a changing world, I just want you to know that God is always the same. God is always faithful, and man, to know that really does bring some peace of mind. Number three, don't be carried away with various and strange doctrines. There's always something new and something crazy, but you need to make sure that what you're believing is in the Word of God. Don't believe what I tell you unless you can find it in the Word of God. If I ever tell you something that goes against the Bible, always believe the Bible. You have a responsibility. Everybody that stands up and quotes a verse may not be giving you the truth. So always check it out with the Word of God. Number four, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks. You know, I believe Jesus should stick out of our life. Christians should be a thankful people. Even though things are crazy, and there's plenty to complain about all the way from the wilderness into 2022, there's always stuff to complain about. I believe we need to learn to be thankful. And again, I struggle with that. I'm just being honest. I'm not always giving thanks. And so I struggle. But if we're going to, again, if we're going to experience God, part of him should stick out of our life, and the world should see us being thankful. That should be part of the sacrifice. You say, well, I don't know what it means to sacrifice a praise. I, I kind of understand that when all hell's breaking loose and we can come and worship God, when there's nothing to worship God for in the outward realm, that's the sacrifice of praise. To believe that God is still on his throne, even though I'm struggling with so many things in my life. Number five, do not forget to do good and to share with such sacrifices. God is well pleased. Along the journey, it's not just receiving, but it's giving back. And that's so important. To give back along the journey, to reach out to the least of these, and let them know they're important. One of the things that I've had the privilege of doing, which would not be probably any, very many people's cup of tea, is do a lot of funerals over the last couple years. But God has really given me a passion to share Jesus and to share God's love at funerals. I know it's crazy for, for most people, but I, I had the chance to do a funeral yesterday and uh, they told me that they, all they want is a prayer at the funeral home and just something really brief, and they mentioned brief several times at the cemetery. And so I'm kind of struggling with myself because I always want to get in there something about the love of God, try to share Jesus, and so they said the lady wasn't connected to church at all. And, and, and people say, how, you know, how can you do a service for someone who didn't go to church? But even though they didn't go to church, they still might have. I mean, I don't know if they were saved at the 11th hour. I still know that when Jesus died, he died for this person. She was still special to God. Can I tell you, I give 100% whether I know the person or I don't know the person. I, I, more than anything else, I say, God, let everybody here experience your love. 
I want everybody here to experience your love. And so they told me, all we want you to do is pray at the funeral home, something brief at the cemetery. And so I, I went there, I, I talked to her son on the phone, and he wasn't connected to church at all. He didn't have anything. He, he didn't say a whole lot. He was, he was cordial, but he didn't say much. He said, talk to my sister. She used to work at a funeral home. So I talked to her. She said, well, maybe read something out of Ecclesiastes. So I did. And so at the funeral home, they asked me to come up and pray, and I bit my lip, and all I did was pray. But at the cemetery, I did a little more. I did a little more. I figure it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. I didn't do a lot. I mean, I didn't preach a sermon. I didn't beat anybody up. But I did say, you know, if she could come back, I know she would want you guys to know that God loves you. That he loved you so much, man, that Jesus died for you so that we could have an eternity. And I don't want you to ever, ever go away and not know that God loved your mom and that God loves you guys. And I did read something out of Ecclesiastes. I didn't go long, but I gave it everything I had. I'm driving back to the funeral home, the funeral director, and we've got close over the last couple of years because I've done a lot of funerals. I always like to ride with the funeral director because I get to hang out and talk with them, and, and they're, they're my captive audience. So anyway, we're coming back to the, the funeral home, and he gave me a compliment. It's probably one of the greatest things maybe anybody has said about me. He said, you know, over the year, last few years, he said, you've done funerals for people who are very well-known in our county. You've done people who are very wealthy, but you've also done funerals for people who had nothing. You've done funerals for tragedies. Two weeks ago, I did the funeral for the 16-year-old that was shot in Jefferson County, lived in Washington. I had the privilege of doing that funeral, a sea of young people inside of that room. He said, I've seen you do funerals for tragedies, for young babies, for older people. He said, I just want to tell you, you give it all no matter what. And can I tell you, that is my heart. I don't want anybody to walk away from a funeral. And I thank God for the people that go overseas to tell people about Jesus. But we have a, a mission field all around us. And man, when people come to a funeral, they're, they're my captive audience. And man, I, I want to tell them that God loves them. I don't have to go overseas. I, I praise God for those who go overseas. But right around us, we have the chance to touch lives every day. Man, Jesus should stick out of our life as we're going and living our everyday Christian life. Isn't it crazy? We run here to get a Bible study. We run over there to buy a commentary. And we get so busy getting more and more knowledge, sometimes we forget to let Jesus stick out. I just want to tell you, pastors are more guilty than anybody. We're always running around to this meeting, that meeting, and sometimes we get so busy doing so many good things, we miss the obvious. I want to tell you, I just pray that Jesus would stick out of our life. Everywhere we go, to know that he is supreme is one thing, but how does that affect our daily life? If we could just slow down, I believe we bump elbows with hundreds of people every week that need Jesus.
And so I want to encourage you to let Jesus stick out of your life every day, no matter where you go, that you would slow down. And if somebody comes your way, may God give us the grace to put our schedule on the back burner to stop and to meet a need that God brings our way. He asks for a prayer request, pray for us, and then he gives kind of a final blessing here. And let's just read it. I love these spoken blessings. He says here, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. May the God of this universe actually show up in your everyday life and make a difference. That's what we need. It's not how loud we sing on Sunday. It's not how much scripture I throw out on Sunday. But it really is slowing down to the least of these. That as we go through our daily life, beginning in the four walls of our home, Jesus should stick out in our everyday life. I love Hebrews 13. We need Hebrews 13. He says here near the end, the verse that should be very familiar to you. We've been reading it every day to start. So near the end of the book, he says, again, I call on you, brothers and sisters, listen patiently to this message of exhortation and encouragement I have written to you briefly. He says, slow down and listen. Let it change your everyday life. And so the question, is Jesus enough? As these, as these readers were under so much duress, is he enough? I think the book of Hebrews would say, yes. And I want to tell you all, no matter how tough life gets, I just want to tell you he's enough. He is enough to get you through the next day. Even though you walk through darkness and storms and trials, I just want to tell you he's enough. We really can find contentment. As tough as life is. And you may say to me, can it get any better than the supremacy of Christ? Knowing that Christ came, that, that he is the image of all the shadow of the light. Can it get any better than God walking side by side? Yeah. As crazy good as Hebrews is about the supremacy of Christ, we're going to begin a series on God in us. When Jesus left, he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Or if I don't go away, I won't send the Spirit. But if I go away, I'm going to send my Spirit. What's better than God walking side by side? God's willing to come down and take up residence in these earth suits. In the Old Testament, they couldn't even draw near to God. And now, because of his death on the cross, we not only get to experience Christ, but he sends his Spirit to come and live inside of us. That's crazy. That is so crazy that the God of this universe loves us so much that he wants to come and take up residence in these earths. We are so blessed. I pray that this week, as you we go through your daily life, that Jesus would stick out. That you would find yourself just loving people that are not always lovable. Find yourself helping somebody that's not always deserving. May Jesus stick out of our life everywhere we go. I want to have just a moment of invitation. Let's stand together if we can. 
I'm going to have David just play through something softly on the piano. If you're here today and you just feel a tug in your heart, I can't imagine anybody living one day without Jesus. I can't imagine living one day without knowing that you know that you know Jesus. If you're here today and you're not sure that you've ever truly given your heart and life to Jesus, I pray right where you are, you would just acknowledge that Jesus died for you, ask him to forgive you and to come into your life, and I believe he will honor that. If you're here this morning and maybe you've already made that initial commitment, but you've never been baptized, I believe that's the first step of obedience. If you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you to get baptized, to show everyone that you've given your heart and life to Jesus. Maybe you're visiting. This is where God is leading you to plug in. We invite you to come. Or maybe you just need someone to pray with you or pray for you. We would love to do that. So let's just take just a moment. Would you just build an altar right where you are? And would you just ask God to fill you with his spirit? Would you ask God that Jesus would just stick out of your life this week everywhere you go? So as the piano plays, I just want you to love on God. Let him love on you. As we prepare our heart to celebrate communion together. Did anybody here not get a communion cup and you want to celebrate communion? Did anybody not get one? All right, if you'll hold your hand up, we got some up here. Anybody else? Anybody got some up in the balcony over on the far, my far left? And there's some over here as well. Right over here. If you don't mind, just keep your hand up. In just a moment, we're going to celebrate communion. I want the song, kind of been a theme song as we've gone through the book of Hebrews, an old Andre Crouch song, Jesus is the answer. He really is the answer. Now let's just sing this one more time. Let's celebrate the incredible sacrifice that that one blood sacrifice forever has taken care of the sin problem. I'm so glad he doesn't have to come back and die again and again and again because that one sacrifice forever has taken care of sin. We have something to be thankful for. So let's sing together that, that uh, first verse of Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. have your cup here if you will if you, long as you haven't taken any labels off turn the juice down and kind of peel back that tab and get the the cracker out and then turn it back where the juice is up and then kind of peel back the tab and we're going to take the the cracker and the juice at the same time here in just a minute i love how the bible says that first time jesus looked up and gave thanks 
I hope we never get tired of thanking God for that incredible gift. And so I think communion is a time to look up and to give thanks. Jesus said, as often as you do it, you proclaim my death. So we're proclaiming that one sacrifice forever took care of sin. He said, you do it until I come back. So we're also proclaiming one day he's coming back. The Bible says it's a, it's a time to look within and to examine our own heart. But he also says in Corinthians, it's a time to look around and consider the body of Christ. So I hope it never becomes routine. But boy, the book of Hebrews, how appropriate to end with communion and to celebrate that incredible gift that God gave. So as they did on that first night, they looked up to give thanks. I want us just to look up and just say, thank you, Jesus. And Jesus said, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim my death until I return. Let's eat and drink. If you all don't mind on your way out if you'll just drop those in the trash can we appreciate it let me pray we're going to close out with a song glad you're here today let's pray father i just pray you'll fill us with your spirit and lord i do pray every day that jesus would stick out of our life i pray that our knowledge of you would would father show up in our everyday life that we could love others Father, fill us, empower us to make a difference everywhere we go this week. In Jesus' name, amen.